Hello, Tropical Fish Keepers. Welcome to Aquarium Talk right here live on American Variety Network. Aquarium Talk is going to be your one-stop aquarium fishkeeping podcast for everything freshwater, saltwater, African cichlids, Central and South American cichlids, and even goldfish. But today, I welcome you to the debut of my very first saltwater series right here on the American Variety Network. Welcome, saltwater fish keepers, to the very first saltwater show ever on American Variety Network. Welcome to Saltwater Aquarium Hour. Now, Saltwater Aquarium Hour is going to air every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, and Salty J and myself are going to chat about everything saltwater, and once in a great while, we'll even have occasional saltwater guests here on the show. So, saltwater fish keepers, whether you are a beginner or an expert, you're going to have a podcast to listen and relate to, and even call in and interact and ask any questions or chat saltwater fish. Now, if you are a beginner at saltwater like me, this show is going to benefit you because you can research a lot about entering the saltwater world, but sometimes it is kind of hard to remember things that you read online. For me, I learn much faster when I listen to things. For some reason, I remember things a lot better when I hear them spoken. So I know this show is going to help me as I enter the saltwater world because I can remember things that I need to remember when I hear them and I'll remember them much quicker. So, like I said, I am a beginner at saltwater and I'm getting ready to learn about saltwater and have fun in doing so. So I'm going to be the beginner host of this show. I'm Alice Cardinelli and please welcome my very first saltwater co-host from Saltwater Forms. Dot com, Jason, a.k.a. Salty J, as I'm going to call him. Jay, how are you doing tonight, sir? Good. Good. How about yourself? I'm doing fantastic, and I'm very glad to have you here on the show tonight. Thank you so much for accepting the position as co-host. Oh, that's no problem. It's my pleasure. Awesome. So I know you've been in the hobby for a long time, but how long have you been in the aquarium hobby? Uh, aquariums in general, probably about 30 years. Oh, awesome. So you've been here for almost all my lifetime, more than my lifetime. (laughs) That's one way to put it, yes. Yeah, so you're going to have a lot of knowledge, which is, uh, great. So, when did you first get into saltwater? What made you you get into saltwater? Uh, probably about 10 years ago I got into saltwater. Um, the main thing that drew me to it is it's the fish. There's just, you look at a saltwater tank, and as nice as fresh water can look, you've got your discus, you've got various cichlids, it just, you can't duplicate what you can with saltwater. Awesome, and I know you're very experienced with saltwater. I've learned a lot from you on the forum itself, so I'm pretty sure you're going to educate all our listeners about saltwater as well. Oh, we're going to give it a shot. Yeah, I know you're going to do pretty good. Now, me personally, I'm actually entering saltwater for the very first time in my life. Actually, this Thursday, I'm going to be buying my fish tank in my 
salt mix, but I got into salt water from my good friend, Mr. Donovan Barger. Donovan actually recently got into salt water as well. He's got a very beautiful 55-gallon saltwater aquarium that is stunning. He's got some beautiful clownfish and such. And I thought to myself, wow, he's got a nice tank, and I want to venture into saltwater too. And for years, I thought about going saltwater, and I just never took the bait. But now, I'm going to go saltwater because of my friend Donovan. And actually, one of my local fish stores right now is converting to almost all saltwater. They removed half of their freshwater section for saltwater. So saltwater is getting really popular in my area. So I figured I'll join the popularity and I'll go saltwater too. Yeah, it's becoming more and more popular. There's a new fish store by me. It just opened up, and he's predominantly saltwater as well. Um, I don't want to say freshwater is losing its foothold, but I think the ease of which saltwater is, people aren't as intimidated by it like they used to be. It's a lot easier than it used to be, and I think that's making it more popular. Yeah, that's true. Saltwater is getting much easier, and it's a lot more funner too now. But tonight, we're going to be introducing saltwater to all the beginners out there like me who are entering the saltwater world. We're going to answer all of your questions as best as we can. But if you are a live listener and you have any live questions, please feel free to call in at 1-347-989-8142. Again, that's 1-347-989-8142. So, folks, we're going to start the saltwater show right after our introduction plugs. So, don't go anywhere.
You're tuned in live to the American Variety Network here, live on Block Talk Radio. With a name like American Variety, you can expect a wide variety of topics. Now, let's get live here on the AV Network. Hi, Jeremy Stillhorn. I'm tuned into the American Variety Network, where I find the show is very educational and entertaining. Are you bold enough to call in and interact with tonight's topic? Well, prove it by calling in live at one 347 to ask questions about tonight's topic or share your thoughts on tonight's topic. Just pick up your phone and dial one 347 and go into a quiet location. Again, that's one 347 Now let's get on with the show. You are tuned in to Saltwater Aquarium Hour live on Aquarium Talk. Are you a newbie entering into the Saltwater Aquarium hobby? Or are you an experienced saltwater hobbyist looking for something to listen to? Either way, sit back and then be prepared to learn a lot about the Saltwater Aquarium hobby. As Salty J and Alex Cardinale educate you on the Saltwater hobby. Are you ready to learn saltwater? Great, well then let's get live. So let's go ahead and start discussing saltwater for the first time. Now, the first question I have for you, Jay, in your opinion, what makes saltwater so popular? Uh, if I had to pick one thing, I would say the diversity of fish and the amount of stuff you can keep, meaning corals, invertebrates, and stuff of that nature. That, that's that's true. Now, my my fish store says that in his opinion, that that movie, Finding Nemo, actually popularized uh, saltwater over the last 10 years. And he said that there is a Finding Nemo Part 2 coming out next year in 2016. And he thinks that's going to drive a lot more uh, people into saltwater, too. Do you think he's right about his opinion? Uh, Definitely, as far as the first part. Um, You go to any fish store, as soon as somebody sees a clownfish, they're referring to it as Nemo, not a clownfish. So the movie definitely had a huge impact. Yeah, I agree 100% with you. Now, in your opinion, why should someone go saltwater? Ah, probably two different reasons. One is you're just you've had fresh water your entire life, or as long as you've been keeping it, and you want to try something different. Or if you're going to just start up, and you're willing to do it right, I don't think there's a better way to do it than with saltwater. Yeah, I, I agree 100% with you, and I think some of the freshwater fish keepers actually look for a new challenge, and sometimes when you keep a lot of the different freshwater species, you want something new. So I think uh, a lot of people that enter saltwater, they want something different. That's why they go saltwater. Now, I know that saltwater is a lot different than uh, freshwater. So what are some things a beginner should know about saltwater? Uh biggest thing is you need salt. Now, I say this, but you'd be amazed how many people don't understand the total grasp of that. 
Um, when you do a water change in fresh water, you're taking out water, you're putting fresh water back in. With salt water, you're removing salt water. So you have to replace it with salt water. As your tank evaporates, it's evaporating fresh water, but it's not evaporating the salt that's in the water. So some of the mistakes people make is they'll put, they'll replace the evaporated water with salt water. All you're doing is driving up your salinity because the salt didn't go anywhere, but the water itself did. That's that's very good to hear. So when someone actually buys their very first saltwater tank, would you recommend them to uh, mix their own salt water, or should they buy a, like already made mixed water from their fish store? Uh, personally, I like doing it myself because I know what I'm putting in the water. I know what salt I'm using. There's not necessarily anything wrong with buying it from a store. I'm just prefer to be a little more hands-on and know what I'm actually putting in my tanks. Yeah, I agree with you because once you actually get hands-on, you're going to get experience and you're going to be able to know how to do it yourself. Yes. Awesome. So uh, in your in your opinion, how does saltwater differ from freshwater in terms of easiness? Honestly, once you get used to doing it, I think saltwater is easier than freshwater. You can literally run a saltwater tank with just doing water changes and nothing else. You can let the, there's, if you put enough live rock in a fish tank, that will filter the tank on its own. You can do a saltwater tank without a filter. Do I recommend doing that? No. But can it be done? Yes. Um, it's more or less just, you gotta, if you are willing to get the knowledge and look into what you can actually do, I honestly think saltwater is easier than freshwater. Oh, that's awesome. Sounds pretty good. So for filters, what would be the best filter you recommend for a saltwater aquarium? Uh, hands down, the best filter is what we call a sump. It sucks the water from the tank, drops it through a couple of filtration chambers, which is usually a smaller tank below the tank, below the tank in the stand area. Um, it filters it a couple different ways. A return pump pumps it back into the tank. It's usually, that's usually a big type of filter. A lot of people either don't have the time, the money, or the space for one. The easiest, besides the sump, would be your general hang-on-the-back filter. Same thing you would use for fresh water. Awesome. Very, very good. Now, in your opinion, can somebody who has a budget have a saltwater aquarium? That, that question gets asked a lot. The easy answer is yes, but it's not easy to do, no. Um, you want to, you don't want to be cheap when it comes to salt water. That doesn't mean you have to spend thousands of dollars on your equipment, but you don't necessarily want cheap equipment either. Awesome. I'm glad you brought up equipment because that's where I want to take the show right now uh, because I know saltwater requires a little bit more equipment than a usual freshwater tank would require. So I know that for a saltwater, obviously, you're going to need your fish tank and your stand. But besides the fish tank and stand, what other kind of equipment is needed for a saltwater aquarium? Uh, you're going to need a heater, same thing as you would with freshwater. Um, other than that... Equipment-wise, you're going to want a power head, maybe more than one. Depends on how big your tank is. 
Um, all the power head does is pushes current through the tank. Um, you'll hear it common uh, with salt water. The lifeblood of the aquarium is the flow. That's what they're talking about, the movement of the water. Um, if you're only going to do fish, no corals or anything like that, you don't need a skimmer. Uh, protein skimmers are nice. For a reef tank, they're needed. For a fish-only tank, they're not. Very good. And you also will need a hydrometer, right? Personally, I hate hydrometers. Um, I prefer a refractometer hands down. They're more accurate. They're not temperature sensitive. And they're just generally they're right on. Hydrometers, especially the swinging arm ones, can be affected by temperature. They can be affected by air bubbles in the water itself and it can give you an unclear and sometimes not a substantial reading on what your actual salinity is. Oh, I never knew that. So what is the difference between a refractometer and a hydrometer? A refractometer is basically like a you're looking through a single binocular. The only difference is you take a drop of your water from your tank, you put it onto the refractometer, and you look at it through light. And it's going to give you a straight line reading of what your salinity is. The refractometer goes all the way to 1.10, which is 110, and goes all the way up to 1.30, 1.030, I should say. Um, hydrometer, it'll give you the same readings. The only difference is, like I said before, it can be affected by the temperature, air bubbles in the water, where the refractometer isn't. They're calibrated to be non-temperature sensitive, so it doesn't matter what your uh, tank temperature is. You could have your tank at 60 degrees. You could have it at 80 degrees. It's going to give you an exact reading of what your salinity is. Oh, so very, very good. So if someone was going for like a fish only with live rock aquarium, all they would need is the fish tank stand, either a hydrometer or a rectometer, and the live rock, the live sand, a filter, and a heater, correct? Uh, mostly, yeah. Oh, yeah, and the wave pad, too. Wave yes. maker, I mean. Um, I shouldn't correct you, but I, a lot of people think you need live everything. You don't. You can start one of the biggest expenses, going back a little bit onto your budget question, is live rock. Live rock is not cheap, especially good live rock. But you can get what they call base rock or dry rock. All it is is it's normal rock that they would use for live rock, and it doesn't have any life on it yet. If you were to, say, put 10 pounds of base rock in your tank, and added three pounds of live rock, your live rock will feed it, meaning the stuff that's alive on the live rock will spread to your base rock. So you're gonna, you'd be able to save yourself some money. Maybe it takes a month, two months, and all that base rock you bought will then be live rock. Oh, that's very good to know. And I think uh, live rock is actually very attractive. It's one of the reasons that uh, attracted me to saltwater. I thought that the live rock was pretty cool because we don't have nothing like that in freshwater. No. And in my opinion, live rock is the single most important thing for saltwater. It, it looks good. Fish love it because there's so many different kinds. You can get 
live rock that have caves in it. You've got live rock that looks like branching rock. And it's the biological filtration that it produces is paramount. You honestly could put enough live rock in a fish tank, just run a power head, and you'd need no filter. That is how important I think live rock truly is. Yeah, and let's not forget to mention that if you have live rock or base rock, it'll cycle a tank much quicker than if you didn't have any rock in there at all, right? Correct. Um, you need true live rock for it to do this to help you with your cycling, though. There's a few products out there. Um, Carob C makes one. It's called Life Rock, and it's impregnated with dormant bacteria. I've had mixed success with it actually kickstarting a cycle. It, there's what really kickstarts your cycle with live rock is the actual live stuff on it. So if you want to use your, that's what I used to do. All my tanks were cycled with live rock. You just want to make sure you've got a nice, good piece of true live rock. If there's sponge growing on it, algae growing on it, any number of things on it, that's a really good sign that it's really good live rock. Yeah, that's really good. My local fish store is having a sale on live rock right now. It's uh, I know it's some kind of purple rock, but it's like $6 a pound, which is pretty good. Yeah, that's not bad. Um, around here, I had averages between four ninety nine all the way to nine ninety nine. A lot of it, honestly, just depends on what's on it, how good it is. I've seen people sell some live rock. Honestly, it looks like it's base rock. So it's you. When you start getting into it, you start seeing the different types. Kind of, you'll figure out what a nice, good-looking piece of live rock looks like. Now, could you actually like mix different kinds of live rock in the same aquarium? Oh, definitely. You can mix live rock. You can mix base rock. You can mix dry rock. As long as it's um, limestone-based, you're fine. Um, most of your what do you? I think you wouldn't want to use like a creek rock or like shale stuff like that. The makeup of it just isn't conducive for a saltwater aquarium. The limestone has uh, stabilizing properties in it, and it just helps hold the pH and the stuff like that for your tank. Awesome. Some very good information. Now, how big of an aquarium would you recommend for a beginner's first saltwater aquarium? You'll hear this all the time with saltwater. The bigger you go, the easier it is to maintain. Um, myself, honestly... If you really want to have your best chance of success, I would say a 75 gallon. Um, a lot of people like 55s. 75 is the exact same length. It's just a little wider. And you'll find that little bit of extra room helps you get in there, helps you maneuver with the rock a lot easier, and it just gives your fish more general overall generally more room. And, again, it's only 20 gallons. It's adding more water volume. The more water water volume you have, the more cushion you have if stuff starts to get a little bit out of whack. Smaller the tank, smaller the water volume, the more easily stuff that starts to get out of whack can get too far out of hand before you catch it. So basically, saltwater almost has the same principles as freshwater because in freshwater, we always recommend people go bigger and better as well. And in the freshwater, 
smaller tanks tend to have uh, problems with their water a lot more faster too. So it sounds like it's the same thing for salt water. Yes, pretty much. It's it's sort of like if you look at the ocean, the amount of stuff that gets dumped in it, but everything does fine. There's just so much water volume. The more water volume you have, the better off you'll be. Awesome. So personally, do we think that beginners should stay away from the nano-sized aquariums, like those little office aquariums? Definitely. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of those nano aquariums. They're really expensive and they're really small for me. And it it not only are they hard to keep, they're expensive. The amount of fish you can keep in them is minuscule. And if you're going to go to salt water, you don't want to go to it where you're you can only have one or two fish. You want to be able to have a couple fish. You want to have six, eight, ten fish, depending on how big your tank is. And you want to, you know, see the, what everybody's talking about. Oh, why'd you go to saltwater? Oh, I got one clownfish in my 10-gallon nano. Okay. Yeah, I agree 100% with you. I was at the fish store the other day, and uh, I heard some guy saying that he was in the freshwater hobby for over 20 years, and he was going to get his first saltwater tank. And the, the guy was like, okay, which size are you looking at? And the guy says, I'm going to go for a 15-gallon biocube. And the, and the owner goes, are you kidding me? <laughs> I could tell the guy was one of, the owner wanted to laugh. <laughs> uh, it's, everything, it's like, don't get me wrong. The the 29 bio cube isn't bad. It's a nice setup. It's not terrible. But if it's your literally your first time trying it, it's still so small by salt standards. And the the one of the things with salt water is mixing fish can be very difficult. And the more room you have, the more again cushion you have. If you've got two fish that are okay in a big tank, they might try to kill each other in a smaller tank. So it's just bigger is definitely easier and uh, better. Very good. So let's talk about the actual water for uh, salt water. So how would one mix their their own water? So let's say they buy their first aquarium, they got their live rock and their live sand. How would one mix the water for their aquarium the first day they get it? Uh, I'll I'll go at it from two different directions for you. If you're just setting up your tank, you can add it to your tank directly. You just want your base tank, nothing in it. You can put your salt right in the tank and you can add your water, as long as there's nothing alive in the tank. You test your water. If you read the bucket, the bag, whatever happens to be the container for your salt, most of them give you an idea of how much salt per gallon for what the specific gravity, the salinity is you're looking for. Now, once you already have your, once you have start putting live stuff in your tank, you cannot do that like that. You need to use pre-mixed salt water. What that means is you mix it ahead of time to the same salinity of your tank. Myself, I use the five-gallon buckets that the salt comes in. For my five-gallon bucket, it takes two, two to two and a half cups of salt for five gallons of fresh water. I put the salt in. I leave a power head churning it overnight for about 24 hours. You want to let salt water, when you're mixing it, 
you, you need the carbon dioxide and the oxygen to meet at an equilibrium. And as the salt is starting to dissolve, the carbon dioxide shoots through the roof. So that's the big reason why you can't just add it right to a tank right after you've mixed it. So after about 24 hours, test your salt water. If it's a little high, just add a little fresh water to get it to where you need it to be in your uh, salinity for your tank. Awesome. So for the very first time, if you're filling your tank with nothing live in it, you would just add the salt to it. Like uh, you would divide the gallons, however, however big a tank is, by half, and that will give you how many cups you need, right? Uh, pretty close, yeah. Now you're going to get some displacement by putting rock in when you put your sand in. But you're going to get it. It's a lot easier just to have, I'd say, fill your tank three-quarters of the way. Get it to the salinity to where you need it. Add your sand. Add your rock. And if you've got to add a little more salt water, just pre-mix it, and you'd be good to go. Awesome. And a lot of people recommended to me that uh, once you have your tank up and running, you should actually buy one of those 30-gallon brew containers and uh, – do 30 gallons of water at a time. That way you have a lot of water stored for when you need to do water changes or emergencies. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, the brute containers are good. Ideally, you want a brute container or you need a food-grade container. Not all garbage cans are considered food-grade, so you've got to watch what they put in them. But the 30-gallon rule is a, a pretty good rule. Um, salt water won't per se go bad if you pre-mix a bunch of it, but what you generally want to do is you, the whole evaporation thing again. If you mix it a month ahead of time, some of that water is going to evaporate. So just because it was at, say, a salinity of 1.022 when you mixed it, through evaporation, you might be all the way up to like 1.027, which that a high salinity is a lot harder for fish to adjust to. Like, say, if they're going from low salinity to a high salinity, it causes an osmotic shock to them. They just can't handle it. So you definitely want to avoid putting a higher salinity water into your tank when you do a water change than what your tank is at. But as long as you monitor your uh, source water, that your salinity is where it should be, mixing it in a big batch like that is a great idea. Awesome. Very, very good. And we actually have a, a live caller here on the show. Hi, you're now live on Saltwater Aquarium Hour. Thank you very much for calling in. Hello? Hello? Hey, I'm how are you doing good. today? I'm doing good. I think I've heard this lecture before, but I'm just listening. You know, I'm from Florida. I like to hear those uh people that live down here lecture about fish and stuff. <laughs> awesome. So do you have a well, question you'd like to ask? No, no. The more I listen, the more I'll learn. Then when I'm smart enough to ask a question, I will. <laughs> okay, awesome. Well, uh, thank you very much for calling in. I appreciate it. Thanks for the show. I'll let, I'll let you uh, listen. Okay. So... Now, the next question I have for you, uh, Salty J, is one that I actually am wondering myself because I've been getting a lot of uh, mixed reactions. Some of my fish stores up here recommend that I use uh, RODI water or their own 
mixed water, and then some people on forums tell me I should use RODI water. But could you use tap water for salt water? The easy answer, yes. Should you? No. Okay. <laughs> what, what, was, what was your reason for be, for being not to use tap water? Um, I'll be honest. I used tap water for years. Um, I never had an issue. The reason not to use it is there's so many variables in it. Depending on your municipality, you could have city water. You could have well water. There's, they're treat, if it's city water, they're treating it with chlorine or who knows what to uh, kill bacteria, make it safe enough to drink. You're putting that stuff in your tank. Now, you can neutralize it with your water conditioners and stuff like that, but then you're adding more stuff to your tank. The idea behind RODI reverse osmosis water is it's literally pure water. There should be nothing in it. So all you're putting into your saltwater tank is A, pure fresh water, and B, your salt, and whatever trace elements happen to be in your salt at the time. Awesome. Very, very good. So we have a question from one of our listeners in the chat room, and they're asking, what do you need your salinity to be for a fish-only tank? Fish-only tank, anywhere from one point. 020 to 1.023. Awesome. Very good. And uh, that is uh, the salinity you should aim for if you are going for a fish only or a fish only with Live Rock Aquarium. Now, I know a lot of people when they enter the saltwater world, they instantly want to jump to uh, reefs and corals, but in your opinion, what is the best setup for beginners? Should they just do fish only with live rock until they get experience, or can they dive right into the the reefs and corals? I've been doing saltwater for 10 years. I have yet to dive into the reef. Um, in my, there's nothing nicer to look at than a full-blown reef tank. The amount of work that it takes to keep a tank like that is what keeps me from doing it. I got into saltwater fish tanks because I enjoy the hobby. I don't want it to become work. If you want ease of use, fish only with live rock is the way to go. If you're willing to devote the time, you cannot beat a reef tank, though. When you look at a reef tank full of corals, anemones, and fish, it's it's amazing. But it takes it's almost like another job the amount of time that it takes to get a tank and keep a tank going like that. Yeah, and they actually require a lot more equipment as well, like you need specialized lighting and stuff, too. That's something to consider as well. Eh, soft corals like mushrooms, uh, xenia, stuff like that, you can get away with a decent, we'll say, LED. But when you start getting into the anemones, the hard corals, stuff like that, they need super good lighting. And you need then you're going to have to start getting into a decent protein skimmer. You've got to dose your tank with calcium. Um, what the heck else is it? Alkalinity, you got to watch your elk. It's just there's like there's automatic dosers that'll automatically dose your tank for you. 
but it doesn't happen overnight. Each tank's different. So you might spend a month figuring out, okay, my tank needs to be dosed this much of this every day, this much of that every day. And it's just, it's a constant learning process. Yeah, so it's it's safe to say that a beginner should start off with the fish only with live rock, and then as they get more knowledge in the saltwater hobby, they should venture into the reef systems. Yes. Now, if you wanted to try a little bit of the reef, and you're willing to get a decent light, you can get away with, like, say, a mushroom. Um, fairly easy. They like what they call in the saltwater hobby dirty water doesn't mean that the water is actually dirty. It just means that it's not, more or less, a protein skimmer takes out a lot of particulate, takes out a lot of organic matter. A tank without that has that in it. And, like, mushrooms actually prefer a tank like that. So if you wanted to dabble in fish only and try at salt water, I would try, a, like, a couple mushrooms. You do need to have decent lighting. But you could get away with that without needing a lot of the stuff you do for a full-blown reef tank. Awesome. Some very good information. And uh, hopefully, once I get enough knowledge and after I enjoy the fish only, within years, I will venture into the reef systems and stuff. But I don't see myself doing reefs for at least 10 or 15 years. Now, I know that we talked about live rock and base rock a little bit earlier on on the show. Um, but do you think a beginner should go for the live rock and the live sand, or would you recommend for a beginner dry rock and dry sand? For a beginner, for anybody, you don't even have to be a beginner. I would do probably, unless you can get a really good deal on live rock, I would probably do two-thirds of your tank base or dry, a third of it live. And honest to God, you don't need live sand. Anybody that's going to sell you a bag of sand that says it's live, all it is all it is is bacteria that's supposedly alive in the little bit of water that's in that bag. Who knows how long that bag's been sitting on your store shelf? There's nothing alive in it anymore. Go with your go with some dry sand. The bacteria is going to be on your live rock. That's what's going to start your system. Awesome, very good. So for my personal tank, my 40-gallon breeder that I'm going to get this Thursday, I'm thinking about doing a little bit more than half dry rock and the rest live rock. Is that a good idea? Definitely. Awesome, so I can't wait to do that. Now, how should people aquascape their aquarium with their live dry rock? Honestly, it's personal preference um, to a point. You want to take when you set up your tank, you should set it up to the types of fish you plan on keeping. Certain fish, like a lot of swimming room, you're not going to want a bunch of rock blocking where they're going to be able to swim. Other fish like being able to dart and move and, for lack of a better term, creep around in the caves and the little overhangs and stuff like that. So you want a combination of what you like, and what works best for you, the fish that you want to keep. Awesome. Very good. So we're going to take a quick intermission, and we're going to hear one song and some of our infomercials. And after our intermission, we're going to have a discussion 
on cycling a saltwater aquarium and some more important information you need to know as a beginner in the saltwater hobby. So stick around. We've got plenty more saltwater discussion to come your way. Now, during this intermission, we are actually going to um, hear a song from my good friend, Ryan. The name of the song is My Mama Told You. So we'll be right back after this quick intermission. Mama told me, my mama, my mama, my mama told me, my mama, my mama, my mama told me. Y'all already know what it is, shouldn't have to say the shit, but I'ma say it anyway. All y'all felt like flagrant, fronting on some famous shit, spitting like some plagiarists. Homie, I done pay my dues, I'm on you like you owe me rent. Ain't no coming back from that, got dreams of pushing Cadillacs, and if I gotta steal that shit, I'm plotting with my ski mask. In the darkest parts of that trailer park. A fifth of jack and a salt charge Been laying low for too damn long Set the gold chain of that shit soft Off the handle, bills to pay No money coming in, about to dig my grave Tell my soul I need that break Devil got his cut, get the fuck out the way Yo, too much bourbon, I've been swerving About to sacrifice a virgin Just to prove that I'm the illest Spit this shit like I'm allergic Black Impala, indiscretions Tired of living like a peasant Windows hit it, clouded vision About to send a fucking message Taking what they owe me, homie I ain't talking time forward All this shit Y'all take for granted all the shit I kill for Yo, mama told me don't ever take no shit, son And if they hatin', you go hit them with that brick, son Tell them where you from, let them know you down to ride W's up in the sky, rep that shit until you die Mama told me don't ever take no shit, son And if they hatin', you go hit them with that brick, son Tell them where you from, let them know you down to ride W's up in the sky, rep that shit until you die Father, please forgive me, I've changed since my last confession Prayers ain't been working lately, dog shit is all I'm left with Motherfuckers think that legend second coming Resurrected till I come through and bury them all They're facing men in my can't protect that I'm on point Hollow tips about to prove y'all counterfeit Prolific with all this rap shit Man, I'm on the move like an activist Mastermind with this ether Talk to God, yo, but I'm no preacher Heart's been cold as a motherfucking freezer Since my pops went to meet that reaper Uh, spit dope, narcotics Put the shit like mine's on it Non-stop, word vomit Prodigal sons gone psychotic Y'all forgot who the fuck I was Must've forgot where the fuck I'm from Type of shit y'all cannot run I kill till the motherfucking cops come Then it's straight to the bank for the capital These rap cats are all laughable Yo, the army's every move is I'm taking hits on these radicals, no apologies for my prophecies I seen the light, ain't no stopping me, catching my ear with hypocrisy Got my mind on speed like velocity, uh Mama told me don't ever take no shit, son And if they hatin', you go hit them with that brick, son Tell them where you from, let them know you down to ride W's up in the sky, rep that shit until you die Mama told me don't ever take no shit, son And if they hatin', you go hit them with that brick, son Tell them where you from, let them know you down to ride W's up in the sky, rep that shit until you die My mama, my mama, my mama told me My mama, my mama, my mama told me My mama, my mama, my mama told me Kill everything you spit, son Hold this bitch ransom, uh Do you have something you'd like to promote or advertise? 
you want to get some much-needed exposure for your business or your very own Facebook page or even your very own podcast, well, look no further than Jackie's help and advice for promoting on Facebook. Jackie will help you advertise your goods and help you spread the word. I, Alice Cardinelli, have personally been great friends with Miss Jackie Wilkes, and she has a very kind heart, and she is a very sweet lady, and she will definitely help you grow like she has helped Alice Cardinelli grow. To advertise and promote your business or anything you want to advertise, please like and check out the page, Jackie's Help and Advice for Promoting on Facebook. Are you enjoying tonight's episode of the American Variety Network? Great! The American Variety Network really appreciates your listening. We also appreciate listener feedback. Please feel free to email us your thoughts and opinions on tonight's show. Our email address is AmericanVarietyNetwork at Comcast.net. That's American Variety Network at Comcast.net. You may also email us with any questions, comments, or concerns you may have about our show. You can also email us to book a guest appearance on the American Variety Network, or you may contact us to become a sponsor of the American Variety Network. American Variety Network at Comcast.net. Would you like to find out when the next episode of the American Variety Network is? Do you want to find out the news and updates for the American Variety Network? Well, all you have to do is go on your computer and log on to the social media sites. The American Variety Network is now on Facebook and Twitter. That's right, you can find the American Variety Network on Facebook and Twitter. Like our fan page on Facebook called American Variety Network and follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter fan page is at American Network One. Again, our fan page on Facebook is American Variety Network. Hit like and our fan page on Twitter is at American Network One and hit follow. Are you bold enough to call in and interact with tonight's topic? 
Well, prove it by calling in live at 1-347-989-8142 to ask questions about tonight's topic or share your thoughts on tonight's topic. Just pick up your phone and dial 1-347-989-8142 and go into a quiet location. Again, that's 1-347-989-8142. Now let's get on with the show. You are tuned in to Saltwater Aquarium Hour live on Aquarium Talk. Are you a newbie entering into the saltwater aquarium hobby? Or are you an experienced saltwater hobbyist looking for something to listen to? Either way, sit back and then be prepared to learn a lot about the saltwater aquarium hobby. As Salty J and Alex Cardinelli educate you on the saltwater hobby. Are you ready to learn saltwater? Great, well then let's get live. Okay, welcome back to the first ever episode of Saltwater Aquarium Hour here on Aquarium Talk, live on American Variety Network. So far, before intermission, we learned a lot about saltwater. Now, should you have any questions, I ask you to please call in at 1-347-989-8142. But please use a landline or a cell phone or Skype, because simply I will not answer uh, calls with all ones across the board, because I don't want to deal with anything of that nature, I'll just say. So, if you're going to call in, please make sure you use a smartphone, or a landline, or Skype, and again, the number is one three four seven nine eight nine eight one four two. And I see that we actually have a caller right now. Hi, you're now live on Saltwater Aquarium Hour. Thank you very much for calling in. Hello? Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm doing good. I see I have a I do have a few questions. I, I just bought a, a saltwater tank and I, I want to start housing some fish. And I wrote a few questions down here on my computer and I wonder if maybe you could help me with them. Sure. Uh, I have a co-host on here who will be willing to answer your questions. What are your questions? Sure. Okay, let me just open my computer, and I will get those here. I wrote them down. Okay. Oh, boy, I got a video playing here. I'm sorry. Let me just stop that. Okay. Okay, that's a little bit embarrassing. I think the kids might, might, might have been on the computer here. Yeah, sorry. We're not going to deal with that. That's uh, a little out there. Sorry, uh don't ever call in here like that. Sorry about that. And uh, some of these people that call in are just out of their minds. I hear you there. <laughs> yeah. So let's get back into it. Uh, I know that we were talking about salt water before we went to our intermission. So yes. once the beginner has everything that they need, like all their equipment, the sand, the rock, the salt mix, and the water, how should they set up their aquarium? Ah, however, they really want to do it. Um, it's once you get her, once you get everything going, you've got your rock in there, your sand in there, 
in your salt water. You basically, all you're waiting for it to do is cycle. Awesome. That's uh, that's very good information. Now, how long does it take for a saltwater tank to cycle? Uh, there really isn't a specific time. Each tank will do it on its own. Uh, it could take two or three weeks. could take four to eight weeks. It really does vary that much. A lot of it depends on live rock, stuff of that nature. If you've got good quality rock, you could have what they call a soft cycle where your ammonia, nitrate, nitrite never really peak, but you just see little blips of it. That still means it's cycled. You just never had a huge spike in any of those three. Awesome. So is there a way to speed up the cycle in a saltwater aquarium? I know that in freshwater you can use prime to speed it up, but how about in saltwater? Is there a way you can actually speed up a cycle? Speed up, no. Kickstart, yes. A popular method is, like, you, you have your primes, and some people say they do make saltwater bacteria starters. A lot of them, you're better off, honest to God, surefire way to do it. Take a raw piece of shrimp, not cooked, not breaded, just a raw shrimp. <laughs> Put it in your tank. Let it sit for about 24 hours. Then you take it out. You're basically letting it rot in your tank. And what that's going to do is it's going to cause an ammonia spike. And as soon as that ammonia starts going up, bacteria is going to start growing, and that's what's going to eat the ammonia. As your ammonia comes down, nitrite is going to go up. That's going to come down. And then last, nitrate is going to go up. When your nitrate comes down, your tank is cycled. Um, during that process, though, you do want to test your stuff. You want to make sure you see your ammonia go up, come down, nitrite, up, then down. Same thing with the nitrate. Now, with the shrimp, an easy way to do it is if you use a piece of netting or even like a piece of pantyhose because after that 24-hour period, it'll start to somewhat get decomposed a little bit. So it's a lot easier pulling it out from something like that than it is trying to take out the piece, just the piece itself sitting there. Awesome. Some some very good information. So the shrimp actually will kind of kickstart your cycle, but it won't speed it up like you said, right? No. it's Your tank's going to cycle at whatever rate your tank's going to cycle. Um, I wish I could give you a better answer. I've never had a tank cycle in the same amount of time. And I've got four different tanks going right now. So I know one popular way to cycle an aquarium in a saltwater fashion is to p people actually go out and buy damsels and throw them into their freshly set up aquarium. But that seems to be a, a very controversial way to cycle an aquarium. So what is your thoughts on using damsels to cycle a saltwater aquarium? Uh, shouldn't be done. Um, whether you like damsels or not, when ammonia spikes, it, if there was fish in there, it's going to burn them. People use damsels for two reasons. They're cheap and they're tough. So just because they're living through it doesn't mean they're not suffering through it. And secondly, as every, well, I shouldn't say that. Most of your listeners are probably new to saltwater. 
damsels aren't necessarily the nicest fish of the bunch. So you, sh- in my opinion, you shouldn't put anything in your tank that you don't plan on keeping. And a lot of these people don't plan on keeping damsels. So don't bother putting them in your tank. It's a lot easier, and honestly, it's probably more effective going with the raw shrimp idea than it is using damsels. Very good, and I'm I'm actually going to use your raw shrimp method because I actually use that for my freshwater aquarium too. And my uh, freshwater aquarium cycles in three weeks, so I'm confident that it's going to do the same for my saltwater aquarium. And I see that our studio is packed with callers. I don't know if I can trust any of these callers, but I'll take the first one that <laughs> called in. So we'll start with the 940 area code. I think I know who this is. Hi, you're now live on the Saltwater Aquarium Hour. Thank you very much for calling in. Hey, Alex, how are you doing tonight? Hey, Donovan, how are you doing, sir? I'm I'm very good today. You're actually the man that got me into saltwater, and I'm glad you're here calling in live. Awesome. Uh, I just got a few questions here, if you don't mind. Sure, go ahead. No problem. We'd love to hear from uh, from you and your questions. Okay, after your tank cycles and you're up to par and everything is looking good, what fish are good to start with to put in your tank for a beginner? If you're going with beginner fish, the hardiest of the bunch are in the damsel family. Now, clownfish are technically in the damsel family. So everybody's got them. As long as you're okay being that guy that has clownfish, or as we talked <laughs> about at the beginning of the show, Nemo, <laughs> they're generally what a lot of people start with. They're hardy. Majority of them these days are tank-raised, so they're already acceptable into the tank environment. That's probably one of the easiest. Okay, so you say the clownfish are part of the damsel family. Um, are they as aggressive as regular damsels? In general, No. That said, there's two or three different types of clowns that can have attitude. One of my personal favorites is a maroon clown. They're an spectacular-looking fish. They get big by clownfish standards. A maroon clown will get about five inches. They are one of the nastiest clownfish out of the clowns when it comes to each other. It's very rare to find maroon clowns in pairs. Generally, you'll see them singly. Awesome. Okay. Um, so if you have, say, clownfish, you know, as a starter fish, um, what's yep. the compatibility rate of several fish that you can put with them? Um, if your tank's big enough, I recommend a pair of clowns because once you add a clown, it will not accept you adding another clown later on. The exception is the maroon. I suggest you only keep one. After that, most clowns get along fine with other fish as long as whatever you put with them isn't big enough to eat them. Okay. Well, if we say we've got that 75-gallon that we talked about earlier set up, and we've got our one maroon clown in there because we can't add any more, what uh, would be acceptable for a 75-gallon aquarium? Okay. I can easiest way I can do it for you, I'll tell you what I have in my 75 Maroon clown, dwarf lionfish, yellowtail damsel, spotted mandarin, golden sleeper-headed goby, 
a yellow tang, and a Coral Beauty Angel, which is a dwarf angel. There's a few dwarf angels out there. All of them would be suitable for a 75. Awesome. Okay. Also, uh, for for a 75 gallon, say if I've got one set up, and we have hang on the back filters because we could go with a sump. Um, my question to you is: Would one hang on the back filter with live rock be enough filtration, or would like say if the hang on the back filter was a 70 gallon hang on the back filter? Do you think you would need two of those, or would you just need one with the live rock? You could do one with the live rock as long as you had decent circulation in the tank, meaning a couple of power heads to keep any extra food, any deterrent from setting up and decaying in the tank. The idea behind the power heads is it's going to keep that water moving so the filter can suck everything through. Okay. Um, with that being said, do you, would you think you would need a protein skimmer for just a fish, saltwater fish tank? Absolutely not. Really? Okay. I don't that's use good. protein skimmers in any of mine. That's, that's a great deal because those suckers are expensive. <laughs> oh, yes, they are, especially if you <laughs> want a good one. That is not cheap at all. So uh, I do have a few more questions, if you don't mind. Fire away. Okay. Lighting. What do you suggest for lighting? I know we're not growing corals, but we just have fish only. So what would you suggest for lighting? I can do two options. If you want to do the long-term energy-efficient way, LEDs, you cannot beat them. They run cooler. They run cheaper. If you look at the different manufacturers, the lighting from LEDs is spectacular on some of them. Other ones, it's kind of dim. It doesn't do the fish justice. Can you use right. a normal fluorescent light? Yes, you can. You can go to your store, buy your hood combo with your tank, and you can use that one for fish only. That's not a problem at all. Okay, uh, but what about the live rock? Do you need lights to keep that alive, or is the bacteria just there? The bacteria will live on the rock regardless of light. What the light okay. will feed on your rock is algae right. and any growth. Like what a lot of people, I think Alex brought it up earlier, he liked the color of the rock. And you'll see a lot of purple on rocks. And what it is is coralline algae. It's a real hard algae. That will feed off a of lighting. It doesn't need spectacular lighting, though. It's not like a coral where it needs high-intensity light. That's awesome. Uh, my, my next question is, so you've got um, algae growth in the tank, and, you know, us freshwater guys, we use sucker fish for that and, and or hands-on cleaning, which you probably don't want to disturb the live rock too much. So what would you use to keep the algae growth down and or anything that, is like a catfish, what would you use to clean the tank? Uh, you have a couple options. First option, when you place your rock in, leave yourself enough room between the rock and the glass that you can clean it. Now, is that realistic? Probably not. There's always going to be spots that you're just not going to be able to get to. Right. The wonderful, the wonderful world of salt water, there's always a critter that will eat something else. For algae issues, you have hermit crabs, emerald crabs, and snails. Awesome. Okay. 
Well, I, I appreciate your guys' time, and uh, thank you for all the great information. Sure. No You're welcome. And, uh, Nikki, so much for calling in. You had some wonderful questions, Donovan. Awesome. Thank you, Alex. You have a good night. You too. Thank you so much for, for calling in. And I see that we have another caller here, and uh, she's been waiting for 10 minutes. So you're now live on the Saltwater Aquarium Hour. Thank you so much for calling in. And uh, state your name and what your question is. Yeah, my name is Stephen. I'm calling from Tennessee. I've got four separate tanks. I've got a 60, a 160, a 29, and a 90. And I'm having the same problem out of all four tanks, showing excessive nitrates on either uh, API or Red Sea test kits. Um, all four of these tanks are reef, all running live rock, uh, bio pellet reactors, GFO carbon, through a sump, reef octopus, Diablo skimmers. I fought and fought for over a year trying to get nitrates to come off a test kit, and I'm having no luck with it. Uh API are noted for having false readings for nitrate. But since you're using the Red Sea, generally they're pretty good. Okay. So you definitely probably have something with your nitrate. What kind I've been of told, salt do you whoops, go ahead. Um, I've got two different salts I've been using in my twenty nine and my sixty, I'm using the just the instant ocean uh uh reef crystals. And then in my 90 and my 160, I'm using a Red Sea Coral Pro salt. Okay. What kind of filters are you using? Uh, I've got a sump, uh, filter socks on all of them, um, GFO carbon running through reactors, bio pellets, uh, reef octopus, Diablo skimmers. Have you ever tried any of the macroalgaes? Uh, the 90 that I just set up, I put some of the Instant Ocean Biospira in it to start the cycle on it. And this tank is approximately eight months old, and we're back into the same problem. Nitrates off the chart on a test kit. Uh, I've okay. got an RODI unit running six stages. Uh, I know my city uses Coramines to treat water. I'm running a Coramines monster filter in my RO units. With the DI resin, a carbon block, and a sediment block. Uh, there's always one of you in the group that I can't tell. <laughs> it's the easiest thing I could tell you to get is if you were to go online and search Gulf Coast Ecosystems. Just like okay. Gulf of Mexico, it's Gulf Coast Ecosystems. They sell live macroalgae. What it is, some of it's pretty, some of it's just green, stringy, leafy stuff. Okay. But what it does is it feeds off all that nasty stuff in your tank, meaning ammonia, nitrate, and nitrite. It'll eat okay. the nitrate that's showing up in your tank. Okay. Okay. I'll try that out. I've got one. One more question, if you've got time. What is your opinions on uh, algae scrubbers? Uh, some guys swear by them. They're going to do kind of the same idea. Or do you use one or no? I've got one on my 60. Uh, I've seen some green hair algae growing in it, but other than that, I've not seen anything out of it. Okay. Cause I spent a $100 be... bill on an algae scrubber, but I don't feel that I've got my use out of it. Yeah. 
some guys swear by them. I've never had a big enough LG issue that I've ever used one. Okay. So I don't want to I don't want to direct you either way. There are people that absolutely swear by them. I guess my biggest thing was it was one of those harebrained ideas. I seen green algae on the glass, so I thought I'd buy it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the stuff out there for salt water. There's something for everything. It's just whether you actually need it or you don't. Some things work for some people. Some don't work for the same thing. Might not work for somebody else. Okay. All right then, bud. I appreciate your time, and I'll try out that Gulf Coast ecosystems. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome, bud. Uh-huh. Thank you very much for calling in. That was uh, some great questions, and I appreciate that wonderful call. And we have one more call. Hi, you're now live on Saltwater Aquarium Hour. Thank you very much for calling in. Hello? Hello? Okay, we're moving right along. I don't think they're uh, actually going to call in to call in. They're just listening to the show. But before we had our wonderful callers, um, we were talking about cycling a saltwater aquarium. So once you have your water in and your water has been cycling, what should the parameters read when it's time to add fish to your saltwater aquarium? If your tank's fully cycled, and you know this from testing it, you should have, as the last caller stated, nitrate can be iffy, but you should have a low reading of nitrate. That doesn't necessarily have to be zero, but you want a low nitrate reading. Ideally, maybe 0.5, 10 is okay. You don't want to let it get much higher than 10. But as long as your tank cycles, everything's come down to normal, you're good to go with fish. You have to add fish slowly, though. Because when you add fish, you're adding to the biomass of the tank, and you have to give the tank bacteria time to build up to handle that. Awesome. So how many fish should you add at the beginning, would you recommend? Uh, no more than it, – it, honestly, it, it keeps coming back to the same thing. It depends how big the tank is, but generally no more than two fish at a time. Awesome. So the fish that I was actually looking forward to uh, introducing first was going to be my my pair of uh, clownfish. Would that be acceptable? Add the clownfish first? Yes. pair of clowns, that's pretty much what everybody does. That's how I've done most of my tanks. Awesome. So I would do my clownfish first and then probably inverts, and then I'd go for the other stuff after I got all the hardier stuff in first. Um, inverts... When you say invert, what kind of inverts are you talking about? Like uh, pistol shrimp and emerald crabs and things like that. Okay. Inverts are going to be a little more sensitive to nitrates than fish. So, again, you want to make sure your levels are low enough and well. You, you want to read absolutely no ammonia. You should read no nitrite, very low nitrate. Inverts are nice because kind of a bad way to put it, but it's true. They're an early warning system. If you start to lose your inverts or they start to look bad, that's generally the first sign that something's starting to go in your tank. Fish can handle it more, 
But once it starts with the inverts, if you don't take care of it, your fish are going to soon foul. Okay, so inverts should be the last thing you should add to a brand new tank, right? Excuse me? Inverts should be like one of the last things that you should add to your your tank. You should probably wait till it's cycled fully, right? Fully cycled, yes. You'll see a lot of people say you should get a cleanup crew, which is usually snails, some hermit crabs, emerald crabs. The problem is you've got to have stuff for them to clean. In a brand new tank, there just isn't anything. So after you would say add your two clownfish, you should start getting a little bit of algae growing. You're going to be feeding your clownfish. They're not more than likely to eat everything that you feed them. So sure, get yourself a couple snails. Get yourself a few crabs if you want to do some hermits or you want to do some emerald crabs. They're far cheaper than your pistol shrimp, cleaner shrimp. As long as they're doing good, go ahead and get a little bit more expensive inverts like your pistol or your various shrimps that are out there. Awesome. Some very good information. And we have some more callers here. Hi, you're now live on the Saltwater Aquarium Hour. Thank you very much for calling in, and uh, please take your questions. Hi, I'm calling in from the U.K. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing quite well, and I'm I'm really enjoying the show. Thank you for doing this. You're welcome. I'm glad you like them. It's a big pleasure of mine to hear that coming from you. Very much so. Now, listen, uh, my friend the other day, he's he's an enthusiast as well with, with saltwater uh, tanks and fish, and he sent me a video, and I, it's, it's quite elaborate, the, the, the video, you know, it's like it shows you all these fish you can put together and what you can do with your tank and how you can clean it, but I'm not sure the validity of it, and I'd like to just play about, I don't know, 10 seconds of it, because it's the first thing they say in the video that kind of puts me off. I don't know if you've seen this video. Uh, I'm not sure. What's the name of the video? Let me get my iPad here. One second. I'm just going to open this okay. up. Oh, yeah, oh no. Sorry, I've, I've had this open to another website here. That's, that's not right at all. One second. Let me click this off. All right, there we are. Sorry about that. That's looking okay. at something previous. Here we are. Okay, let me bring up the video. <laughs> Okay, I, I really don't understand what that is. Do you have any idea what he was trying to do there? <laughs> no. I think we're starting to get the looms now. Yeah, we're get, we're starting to get all the weirdos now. <laughs> all right. I see that we have another caller here that I know. Hi, you're now live on the Saltwater Aquarium Hour. Thank you very much for calling in. Hey, Alex. Calling back again. Hey, Donovan. How are you? Doing good. Uh, my my next question for you um, is: When adding fish, say if you were to add a fish, one fish a week, would that be slow enough, or would it need to be a slower process? Slower process. Generally, some people rule of thumb: one to two fish a month. I'm sorry. The general rule of thumb is one to two fish a month. Oh wow! Okay. Okay. Can you can you add them faster? You can. A lot of it depends on the tank. If you have a tank that's been set up for years, 
over time you've just lost your fish, you could probably add more fish at one time, maybe two or three fish. Oh, okay. but when you're start when you're slowly starting to build up your biological filtration and the bacteria in your tank can handle how much so much bio load, it's a very slow process. Okay. Um, my next question is, I know you mix your own stuff, like salt, to your water. So what's the brand that you recommend? Uh, personally, I like Red Sea. Instant Ocean is a very popular one. A lot of people use it. I just happen to like Red Sea. Okay. So um, what's your what's your brand of food that you like to feed your fish? And what uh, do you feed them? <laughs> How much time do you have? Um, we got plenty. <laughs> frozen foods, <laughs> primary diet. Uh, frozen mysa shrimp. Frozen spirulina brine shrimp. Clams on the half shell. Those are frozen as well. Uh, frozen plankton. Frozen uh, Hikari makes it. It's called uh, Mega Marine. It's a mixture of a couple of seafoods that they seem to like. As okay. far as dry, as far as dry foods, uh, New Life Spectrum makes an excellent pellet. Oh wow! So, what does it take to get a saltwater fish from eating freshwater or freshwater? I'm so sorry. <laughs> from eating frozen food to pellets. I mean, what's the big take on that? Uh, some fish will eat it, some fish won't. I've had uh, fish so for three years. I've had, yeah, I've had fish for three years that won't touch pellets. Oh wow! Wow. So if most, and I, I shouldn't, majority of the time, most of your clownfish will eat a pellet. Okay. Um, they're captive raised fish. There's that's something that they're accustomed to eating. A lot of these other fish that are actually collected from the wild, they don't know a pellet from a rock, to be honest with you. So they don't look at it as food. Right, right. So per se, I'm going into uh, a general store that sells saltwater fish. Do you think most of them are wild caught from the ocean and brought in, or are they captive bred? With very few exceptions besides clownfish, most are wild caught. Okay. Um, I don't know how in depth you want me to go. Uh, some of your tangs, hippo tangs, yellow tangs, they're just starting to captive breed. But you okay. more than likely the ones you, the ones you're going to see at a fish store are going to be wild caught. Well, I was just curious on how that you know that worked because, like, say you've got lionfish and things, and what I what I watched on TV on the Discovery Channel the other day is that lionfish are really messing up the ecosystem, so people are eating them like crazy. And so I They're was, delicious. I, I, I see a lot of them, you know, in the pet stores, so I was just curious if they were uh, wild caught or they put them in captive bread. No, lions are wild caught. I The ones you see on TV are usually the ones that are taken over, like Florida, moving up the coast and that. Those are Most of them are volatile lions. They get big, 15, 18 inches. The one I oh, have wow. is what they call it. The one I have is a dwarf lion. He's going to get about four inches, and that's it. Oh, so you can that's probably... Why... Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. 
Oh, well, I was just like, I was just amazed. You said dwarf lion, so there's there's a lion for every tank, pretty much. Within reason. Now, my, I have a dwarf lion because I like a community tank. So I just had to make sure his tank mates are big enough that he can't eat them. Okay, okay. Well, I had my uh, grouper, my panther grouper. He ate one of my clownfish yesterday, I'm guessing last night. And You know, you know, I got into the saltwater hobby not knowing, oh, this fish gets two feet, whatever it might be. I guess I kind of like when I got an Oscar didn't realize how big he was, how big, how big he's going to get. So last night I found that he ate one of my clownfish, and I didn't think he was big enough, but he, he definitely was. If it can fit it in its mouth, they will eat it. Uh, panther groupers are great fish. They have excellent personality. There's not a fish in your aquarium that it will not eat eventually. Right, right. And, and I didn't realize how big they got, so I went to a store down south, and he was almost as big as a tank. I think he was like two feet long. Yeah, oh, they, in the wild, they'll get over three. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so it's probably not good for my tank, but he's pretty cool. He's only three inches long right now. So, but I, I appreciate your uh, knowledge on everything. I mean, I mean, it's been a great show so far. You were doing an awesome job. Oh, it's no problem. Good luck with your grouper. <laughs> Do what? Good luck with the grouper. Oh, thank you, man. I'm I'm trying to find him a home right now, so. Got to mess up with that. Oh, I'm big enough tank. The one one thing, I, piece of advice I will give you, if you go to a store and you see a fish you like, Google the damn thing, because you will yeah. be amazed how that little two inch sucker, how big he will actually get. Yeah, and you know that's some good information for a new guy because who would have thought? You know, I, I never would have thought he would have got that big. I, I was like, man, he's really neat looking. So, but that is some really good information for a new saltwater keeper. Sure. Well, but thank you, guys. Appreciate it. No problem. Have a good night. You too. You're welcome. Thank you so much for calling in. We appreciate your call. Thanks, Alex. You're welcome. Okay. Well, this is a this is a great show. I've never had this many callers before. We've had a couple of uh, good ones and a couple of wacky ones. I think the guy from uh, the United Kingdom is going to catch some kind of crap, but not marine ones. <laughs> I hear you there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. We have one more caller. I'll answer this last caller before we wrap up this uh, awesome show. Hi, you're now live on okay. Saltwater Aquarium Hour. Thank you very much for calling in, and please state your question. Hey, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. What's with all your cr- uh, the cranks tonight? People calling in playing crank jokes on you. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I guess these people are, uh, they've got nothing better to do in their lives. This is what they do at 9 o'clock at night. I guess so, yeah. Well, it's a bit later than that here. It's uh, just past uh, 10 o'clock. I'm on the East Coast uh, on business here. Oh, okay. Anyway, listen, now back home I do have a saltwater tank. And uh, Give me a second. My son's putting a DVD in. Just... Keep it down. I'm on the phone. Oh, yeah. Oh, hang on. He put in one of those fuck oh, DVDs. Give right. me a second. I saw that coming. Oh, my God. All these, all these. what do you call that, sex addicts are calling in tonight. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess uh, we gave our, listen, our live listeners some entertainment tonight as well as information. 
Oh, I wonder where they came up with deliverance. Uh, I apologize for that. Usually I don't get those kind of people calling into my show. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> uh, but this was a, a great show, and I, th- I hope all of our listeners enjoyed today's show and learned a lot. You did a great job tonight, sir. Oh, thank you, sir. You as well. You're welcome. Now, next Tuesday... How would you like to talk about good beginner saltwater fish and invertebrates for beginners, like the good type of fish that are good for beginners? That's right up my alley. We're good to roll. All right. So next Tuesday here on the Saltwater Aquarium Hour, we're going to talk about good fish that are good for beginners and good invertebrates for uh, beginners. So, uh, Jay, I want to thank you for being here tonight. You did a fantastic job. No problem. Thank you, Alex. I look forward to next week. You're welcome. Now, anyone that uh, listened live to the show or is listening to the archive file of today's show, if you are a beginner and you're looking for some more information on saltwater fish, please go to saltwaterforums.com. That's where I got my all my wonderful information and how I met Salty J. So I really recommend joining that group and uh, chatting saltwater fish there. I also invite you to listen to all my other on-demand episodes by going to blogtalkradio.com forward slash American Variety Network. And once again, listeners, we are now available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and some other wonderful podcasting platforms. And I want to say thank you to everybody that called into the show, whether you were a good caller or if you're an asshole caller. I appreciate all of your calls, even though some of you were actually kind of funny. Uh, I appreciate all of your calls. So thank you very much for calling in. And we'll see you next Tuesday on our next episode of Saltwater Aquarium Hour. Have a great rest of your week, Jay. You too, sir. Awesome. Saltwater folks, thank you for tuning in to the first episode of Saltwater Keepers Hour. Salty Jay and I hope you learned a lot about saltwater tonight. Enjoy the saltwater hobby, respect the hobby, and join us next Tuesday for a discussion on good saltwater beginner fish and birds. Good night, all, and thank you all for tuning in to the great show.